Welcome to Hashtag Wolves, an eighth episode of the season. I'm your host, Noah, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Will, and the Wolves Done. How are we doing? Doing great. Uh, excited to break down a fun week of Timberwolves basketball. Noah, how are you? Good. I just did the intro three times and finally got it. Yeah, I don't think the people will really believe it was more like five or six, but we can kind of <laughs> trim it down to whatever number you feel comfortable with. So great week at Timberwolves basketball. Noah, you definitely did a little bit more of the in-person viewership than I did. So we'll kind of sprinkle that in as the seven we, o'clock games have gotten too late. Yeah. And then the, the Trailblazers game last night, just absolutely out of the question. It was it was a late tip and we'll have you we'll have you take that one. Well, you went out. Yeah, and wow. Yeah, so stay stay tuned for after the howl and we'll we'll keep some of that discussion going. On the agenda for today's pod is the Monday game against the Rockets, the Wednesday game against the Hornets, and last night's road game against the Blazers. And once we're done breaking down those three games, we're gonna talk about how Wiggins re-energized this week and Cat's really been performing well, so we gotta give him some love there too and the upcoming road trip for the wolves kind of kind of preview-esque so that'll be after the game coverage and before we jump into the monday game against houston noah i know you're big into like the latest facebook trends have you seen the spotify unwrapped thing yes i have viewed mine what did yours look like um (laughs) mine was of course very hashtag wolves centric because um, what else yeah as a loyal pod not only podcaster but pod listener this showed up really high on my spotify unwrapped it basically gives you a rundown of the podcasts and songs and artists that you've listened to the most so i know you our listeners have hashtag wolves all the way at the top of your list so we don't need you to do anything more but just keep doing what you're doing wills was even past holland oats and ccr yeah the only other artist that cracked it was prince of course because the obvious time pro minnesota yeah the minnesota timberwolves so yeah thank you for listening just keep telling friends and uh listening on spotify or whatever podcast app you use yeah our review numbers must be delayed because they haven't gone up so yeah the internet's a little bit slow from where you are to where we are but i'm sure by the time this episode debuts those will (laughs) those will all come through of course yeah so for the monday game against the rockets it was kind of the throwback night comeback or the throwback comeback, and it started out with the Houston building up a 19-point lead, and it sort of looked like the playoff series against the Wolves from May, but then we use 11 threes and hold the Rockets to 29 points in the second half, 20 in the third quarter, just nine in the fourth quarter, and end up pulling out a 103-91 victory. Pretty pretty solid comeback from the Timberwolves. Yeah, when we were 19 down, it honestly felt like a game where people were going to start heading out and no one would have blamed them. And I think right at sort of the... When that would have started to happen, the Wolves just made like a, a linear comeback, right? There was just no resistance from the Rockets. I've never seen such a, I guess, like a linear decline to being down and such a linear incline to being back at it. It was, it was really impressive to see, and I think a lot of that has to do with Covington's energy. Yeah. You'll see a lot of times, I think I've mentioned it before, how he'll kind of like pump up the crowd and stuff like that. I think there's a lot around that where we're more resilient, right? Like if nothing's going well in your locker room and you've got the whole Jimmy stuff going on and you're down by 20 against the Rockets, like you just sort of don't care or there, is, there isn't the vibe, right, to sort of come together and come back. But honestly, it was, it was actually a really, really fun second half. Yeah, they one of the least fun first halves I've been to in a while. 
Yeah, that's what I was kind of worried about is it would be like a sort of coming back moment and seeing that, you know, we're, we're not as good as we've been playing once we play against Houston, who's obviously really talented but underperforming. But then to basically put the clamps on on defense and turn the whole second half around, I think there was some stories about like a, a shouting match at halftime in the locker room, but sort of in the most positive way possible where like players were getting on each other, but it was really positive, And then it turned into a great, like energetic second half. When it was all said and done, we had six wolves in double figures towns at 24 and 11 kind of kicking off a good week for him. Gibson had 15 and Wiggins had 16. So a lot of people saw this as kind of, a re-energized and re-engaged Wiggins, which is uh, really good to see. Were the only two starters to shoot above fifty percent, so that's <laughs> a unusual stat for Wiggins on that night. So I think there's a lot of good things to see, and I've never seen really a more contrast first half and second half. And I mm-hmm. just, I know it's it's a very unknowable take to sort of be all feely about it, feely about like the difference, but I, I really think it has to do with the energy of these guys and the will to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely okay to be excited, Noah. You were sitting there in the seats representing for the pod and uh, got kind of into the moment. The other points I'll highlight are some of the Rockets' performers. Capella had 24 on eight dunks. Harden had 29 and eight assists, so he kind of got his. But CP3, we held the five points, seven assists, three rebounds. So without him really being engaged, I think that gave us a nice a nice push to to beat the Rockets. And it's pretty easy to improve from the three technical fouls in the first half. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I was there, and it, it, the refs were bad, but I just think it was a lot of frustrated energy, and obviously that builds on it after the first tee and everything. But again, I think there's a good amount of energy going around, so sometimes those exhibit themselves in the form of a technical, but I wasn't, in the moment, I was pretty pissed about it because we were already down, right? But mm-hmm. I think it honestly, in a way, was a sort of spark plug thing. Right. Well, we were all class on the court back in our day, so it, it's kind of hard for us to understand, comment on what would possibly make players, you know, cross the line like that. Yeah, I only think I've gotten like a couple tees or something. <laughs> yeah, those angsty middle school days will get you. Um, so you mentioned like contrasting first and second halves, something that we really haven't seen, but then it turns, uh, the Wolves turn around to Wednesday's game. And we see just that another great comeback against the Charlotte Hornets, maybe not as a team with as great of a pedigree, but they're in the A slot in the East right now. And, you know, they're, they're having a solid season chugging along and the Wolves pull out the victory 121-104. So another great comeback, a really, really good game from Carl and a game where Derek was a spark plug. I think Towns had 35 and 12. Wiggins had 26 and Rose had 16. So just a lot of good things that we built on from the Rockets game. Not not in the first half, obviously, but the way we were able to turn it around and Towns could kind of carry the day was uh, was really big for us to get the victory. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Towns was sort of the, the centerpiece of the game, but everyone shot well besides T going one for six. But what, you're going to have one guy who doesn't have it together that game, but I think everything else was clicking and Rose was able to pick up the slack of Teague, which is, I guess, in a way been a theme. Not as as aggressive as it was in this game, but I, it was a, a quintessential, I would say, team win that we've seen so far this year. Mm-hmm. Well, so far, this new era or whatever. Yeah, and I was able to watch a lot, uh, really like dig in and watch a lot of the second and third quarter where we started to make our comeback. And Charlotte was shooting threes really well, so I kind of had this thought that 
they'll come back down to earth once the Wolves start playing some better defense. And kind of just at that point, really, they started to switch and turn it on. And it's really, really fun when Wiggins is able to play well and Rose is able to play well. It's a it's a fun team to watch right now. Um, and that's not just because the two comeback wins. Yeah, and Towns even said himself and that they had another talk, like you said, um, and that they're just getting closer and closer together and having good discussions. And obviously that wasn't the the candor that Towns had previously, right? Yeah, for so all I the... think all the signs are pointing up in the locker room, on the court and everything. We ended the week with a loss, but I don't, you know, I think there was some, whatever's last, right? Like a recency bias, especially in individuals like yeah. on like Reddit and things like that. Not so much in the media. They try to average things out at least a little more. It's, they're just reflective of like the Portland game and they're really stuck on that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It leaves a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth. Do you want to get into it and cover kind of what, what the Portland game was all about? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we lost, but overall, like, I don't think in the scope of all this, it's really the, that big of a deal just because what two and one in a week where we're predicted to go two and one when we're predicted to be a solid team going forward sign me up like cool like these things are going to happen and what covington was out we're on the road the blazers aren't a bad team so i just i think it's reactionary or bold for anyone to say like this was a a must win or some sort of like easy pickup thing Overall, though, um, we were just outshot on, boarded on, and they got to the line. When you get beat in those three areas, I think the game's kind of over. So yeah, it makes it, it makes it hard to win when you can't control those areas. Yeah, as opposed to Houston and Charlotte. I mean, this is easy to say in retrospect. I think it was more of a sustainable lead that they built, like just a more consistent, like we're outplaying you. Mm-hmm. Where if you're playing pickup or something, and someone hits three threes in your face, you. I know it well, yeah. <laughs> you feel like they're going to revert to their mean, especially if they're wearing new balances and 42 at the Y. Well, yeah, and I never close out with one hand up. It's always two hands up to Ooh. distract the shooter or run through and then outlet on the Fed. So just hey, any anybody hit me up, by the way. I'm, I'm always looking for a run. So, <laughs> But yeah, keep it going. <laughs> How do you possibly follow that? <laughs> so in the box score in this game, oh, that was God. pickup game at the Y. Honestly, Kogi was really the only one besides, I guess, Dario to showcase what they could do that night. Um, so Kogi actually played 25 minutes, obviously probably had a lot to do with Covington being out and was able to get eight points on five shots. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not the top score or anything, but come out and prove that a little more that he can be efficient, which I guess is the one thing that he's been lacking this year did you see a sweet play where you like threw it off the backboard and like awkwardly laid it in it was it was kobe-esque <laughs> at but... least he's trying to do something as opposed to wiggins like doing like open court layups so. yeah for sure um always good to see him get some minutes kind of show his stuff like you said yeah and i think it's overly binary or like stepwise in the fact that he's able to get 25 minutes when covington's hurt and then zero ish like two minutes scrub time mm-hmm. when he's like when covington's there i don't think covington would argue against a kogi getting some more minutes or really anyone right right and we're like we're talking at least i'm talking like five to ten right yeah like make him earn everything else game, let him go show his energy maybe he'd be a spark plug for someone who's instead of someone who's tired you know i understand that the guys who are out there are probably better than him on a pure pure just like paper standpoint mm-hmm. but you got to take into account that he's a rookie that he's growing i mean honestly like he he brings energy to the stadium to the fans they've sort of 
picked him as their new fan favorite. Yeah, latched onto him for sure. Yeah, him and Rose are easily the like the people that the players that people cheer for the most. So mm-hmm. we're the I, only like card carrying members of the Taj Gibson <laughs> fan club. The old like grumpy. Yeah, yeah. I think now with Covington, even Taj is becoming like a, a bench Taj kind of movement, mm-hmm. and it's all based on Covington's pros and not Taj's cons, right? Yeah, there isn't really that many in my mind. And then Dario was able to go two for two for three with eight points. Nice to kind of see him have a little bit of limelight. I feel like he is getting overshadowed by Covington, but obviously he's a really significant part of the trade. Mm -hmm. I like his game a lot. I mean, every time I'm watching the games, I enjoy when he's out there. I still think Taj should be starting, but it would be interesting to look at, you know, some lineup shakeups and, you know, and, and do a little bit more of a deep dive on, you know, what he's doing well, despite the fact that he's not getting a ton of shine, like you're saying. Yeah, and I think it's really powerful that Dario is able to do almost everything a little bit above average. Not necessarily, I don't, I don't, there isn't an area of his game where I feel like he's just a lead at and then really crappy at something else, right? So I, it's nice to have him and Tosh, who are able to just kind of be consist, consistent, steady, Eddie, right? Mm-hmm. I think the Wolves have always had a problem with like volatility. So right. To have someone who's just like a saltine cracker of a player, I think is pretty nice. Yeah, you heard it here first, Dario, not elite. Not elite. <laughs> Please credit Noah for that one. That's my first hot take of the year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also like no one else shot about fifty percent in this game. So I think it's more of I I say this a lot, but it's it's one of those games where you deserve to lose it as opposed to someone and dribble the ball off you know their shoe and it like that's what caused you to lose the game like you just lost right Mm -hmm. shake their hand type thing Mm -hmm. um cub without his energy like i mean i think that's who we've sort of been leaning on he was out with like knee soreness right okay from a hype standpoint Mm -hmm. that's even just not even from numbers that's who we've needed on the court um so to have his, his absence definitely was probably felt rose kind of his first game back to old rose but he was able to assist on 40% of shots and just be there in other areas. I wouldn't start <laughs> hitting the alarm just yet. No, yeah. If there, there are going to be games where he's not scoring like 15 to 20 or even 25 points. I mean, he's supposed to be kind of a spark plug and provide scoring on more of a sporadic basis. Obviously, you want it to be consistent, but his role is to sort of carry the second like the the weight of the offense and he's on nights when he so has that's it. not a role he's not necessarily comfortable in right now right so there was just a lot of things that got thrown his way yeah I don't know, i'm gonna be protective of rose for now <laughs> yeah he's earned enough equity with us at this point in this regard yeah and so overall i thought it was like i don't know it's one of the i would say one of the top losses this year i just don't feel that bad about especially when you wrap it up with the rest of the week right but I always think it's funny to just quick peek on Reddit on like the post game thread. Oh, I feel attacked. <laughs> and I just got like Wiggs no shots in the fourth. Dario apparently should have stayed in because of his plus minus, which is a one game sample. <laughs> Don't get me started. And Rose's somewhat bad game is Tibbs's fault because he played him like in weird non like he didn't give him regular breaks. Mm-hmm. Hurt our poor boy Rose. Yeah, played the entire fourth, so his field goal percentage was only reflective of his exhaustive shots. Wow. All things that could be true, but I didn't see, like, one upvoted comment that was like, hey, guys, like, it's been really nice that we've gone 9-3 and three since Jimmy's absence, and, you know, 
I don't really mind taking an L to Portland on the road. Yeah, thank God a Kogi played. Otherwise, like, Reddit <laughs> broken. <laughs> on fire. Yeah, that would have been bad. Yeah, and, and Blazers also played a good game. So everyone shot above 50, almost everyone, and Nurkic scored 22 points on 10 attempts. So mm-hmm. just all in all, got bodied. Yeah, I you kind of pointed to it. My takeaway would be if I, if we were playing this game at home, I think we would have won. We seem to be able to handle the Blazers at home, but on the road we struggle against other teams. And just anecdotally, I don't think we performed well against the Blazers. I saw Dave Benz tweet about that before the game. Like it would be nice to pick up a kind of a rare win in Portland. Yeah, and I think we still need to sort of so like let's say we're predicted to do be the tenth best team going forward. That's just reflective of like what percent of games you're predicted to win going forward. It doesn't have a commentary on home and road. And I think we've seen that there's going to be a, we're going to have a pretty big gap between our home and road successes. Like nothing has proved that to change in this new team, right? Right. And I think coming up this, this road trip will help us get more sample size on that. Yeah, which I'm really, really nervous about. But for the time being, we went 2-1 and one on the week. You seem to kind of give your vibe that this is sort of what we were predicted to do. I think it's it's good news. Yeah, if you look at like what the last 10 games that we've predicted to do, like we can't be off by more than a game or two. Like I think I think we are. Like it, I agree with what's on a lot of analytics websites saying that we're like the 10th or 11th best team going forward. Mm-hmm. And we found the, and we're, I think we're like the 15th best team looking back. So like I talked about previously in the year that they're starting to converge. Mm-hmm. So I think we've kind of have the, the sample size that we need to say it's not reasonable going forward that we're going to go on a little bit of a five, 55%, you know, winning percentage streak. You could call it. I think we've got a new tagline here. Like, <laughs> just as you as you were talking i was listening but i was also thinking like the nba where amazing happens should be like the nba where convergences start to occur given a large enough sample size i just finished up an analytics final so i'm in some type of way right now yeah just like the wolves are performing as expected this is exciting wolves fans let's go someone pull up like a a people magazine or something and start reading off headlines would you rather see an alley-oop dunk or the over get hit we could <laughs> we could get into that another time because it's a big it's a big big question but uh i think i think you're totally right we're starting to see some of the like how the wolves have been performing and how their rosters come together actually start to pay off yes and i think maybe wigs is starting to drink the kool-aid as well right yeah Going into these last three games, shooting 39%, and the last three were 55, 58, and 44. But even on an anecdotal level, like you're seeing more energy on the court and him trying to utilize his athleticism more often. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's only when the ball is, is in his hands or when things are going well or when he's playing in Toronto. Like, yeah. You kind of have to create this like perfect bubble situation for Wiggins to utilize like the dunk contest winning athleticism that he has. Yeah. We so. should just tell him like every team that we're playing against, like, Hey, Houston didn't draft you. Like he was the number one <laughs> overall pick, but just like this t- true or false, Andrew Houston drafted Gosh, you like false. Punching Wiggins before the game. <laughs> yeah. So he, I heard some stories too, about like him getting into the gym really late at night. And I'm such a sucker for that stuff. So hopefully he stays engaged just on a more consistent basis. We just don't want it to be kind of an, up and down roller coaster of him like asleep on the court and him doing chase down blocks because he had a sweet one against the Rockets. Yeah, so I think 
I wouldn't say, I think I'll never say that the max contract makes sense, but I think there's a, there's a world in which in the future we could not be so bitter about it and kind mm-hmm. of move on from the headline around it, right? Yeah, it Especially is. Especially if other players on the team turn out to be more than what their contracts are worth. Like right now, Covington is probably worth more than his contract. A Kogi could turn out to be worth more than... Yeah, know, rookie deals. Yeah, picks. for sure. Like, like These things could eventually seem to balance out and we could feel like our salaries are actually reflective of what our team is. <laughs> mm-hmm. You kind of have to remanage your expectations when someone gets a max because it's hard not to frame everything around that. Uh, speaking of another max player... Towns had a really awesome week. I feel like we haven't given him a ton of shine with like how he had kind of struggled with Jimmy, but since the trade, I feel like he's been performing really well and he's kind of getting his shots that were like a little bit more inconsistent, like the amount of shots he was getting. And now he's, he's been our best player over this stretch. I would say. Yeah. I would probably go with Covington. I just feel like on a, all things considered level, but yes, I mean, one and two, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the reason that there hasn't been much on him is because so much of his screen time, or whatever you want to call it, gets sucked in by Jimmy drama. Mm-hmm. And then he was playing well enough before this, and now he's playing great. So that's not as exciting as Rose's headline or someone going from good to like bad to good, you know, a Kogi, the rookie. Like, there's just mm-hmm. been a lot this year that's sort of clogged the media pipeline versus i would say like last year where it was exciting to have jimmy but there wasn't any off-court stuff to sort of fill the airwaves so you no to like dive into other guys right and i just think this week especially to kind of push back on what you're saying here noah uh <laughs> towns at 24 and 11 against the Rockets, so really solid um a good game from him then 35 and 12 against charlotte and oh man i'm looking for what he had against portland but I'm guessing it doesn't really matter because we lost, but <laughs> but I know he's just been performing more consistently. And if Derek is the second best player on a given night, sometimes that gets more of the headline or because Covington's kind of the new kid in town. Like, don't forget our, about our boy Carl and how he's like found his stride. Yeah, he's in the danger of like getting meshed in with like the Taj type media coverage, right? Mm-hmm. It's like there's no like sporadic. Like, like up and down. Him, right? yeah, 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 for sure. So, I don't know. Like, Do you have any more thoughts on how those guys have been performing? Because I feel like Cat and Wiggins stepping up is sort of what we've been waiting for. You kind of have to make that connection, right? Mm-hmm. It's such a softball, but it's really, I really think there is something to it in that post-Jimmy drama that these two have started to make a significant uptick. I, You know, you, you got to look at it or you got to think about it, right? And mm-hmm. there's a lot of signs that point to that there, those two especially weren't in the best graces with Jimmy, right? No. So, yeah, I, I think I think there is something to it. I think with Wiggins, the the sample size for him being back or something along those lines is so low. Yeah, we just need consistent play from stuff like this and week. When you're talking about a number one draft pick and a max contract, like if he scrapes his expectations seven out of 82 games a year, and in each of those seven games, you say he's back. Like, mm-hmm. what are you really getting at? Right? I think it's just so quick to tweet this person is back, 
rather than oh, it is in, it it's, is it's encouraging to game, see right? consistent like play. So that you can see Derek score fifty even when you thought he was going to score eleven that game, right? Mm-hmm. And that's like that's why you watch sports. But I'm just saying from like a a boring perspective, that's kind of my median for Wiggins is still not back right yeah yeah and don't hold out on the people Noah. you you have some figures on what he should be worth apparently as opposed to what he's getting with his max contract yeah totally like looking in the past and everything but i think it is interesting that in the last two or three years i looked and he literally is worth about zero dollars basically you can get someone in g league in replacement level kind of slap on the bench and he would have played at wiggins's level in the past but because he was a number one draft pick and among other things that he's done, they expect him to revert a little bit to 90 to 80 percent of like what he was supposed to be mm-hmm. and predict that he'll be worth about 12 to 15 in the next three years. And if you think about it, kind of eye test or whatever, go back in time and sign Wiggins to three years, 36 million. Obviously, like that, that sounds about right. That's a deal I would take even knowing what I know now. Right. Mm-hmm. Just to sort of roll the dice but obviously max contract no one can say you know i'm i'm still sticking my guns on that but i do think it is interesting that they sort of have it built in that a reversion to the mean of who you are yeah these are some 538 metrics on just like what a player is worth based on how they're playing now it's really interesting to think about because you have to lock some of these players up and then rarely do people perform kind of at expectation you know, it, it, it's hard to it's hard to wage how somebody's playing when there's a lot of money on the line or like a really cheap expiring contract. It's yeah, easy. we can sit here and whine all day, but look at Derrick Rose mm-hmm. and look what people and his salary expect of him, right? Yeah. So I think those two alone almost average out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, don't hold out on me either. I understand 538 does some player comparisons, probably just for you. <laughs> which is... Kind of like the horoscope of like <laughs> NBA statistics, big horoscope guy. Well, so you're why'd... almost similar to Kevin Garnett as a basketball player. <laughs> oh, yeah, I pound my chest a I lot just on the court. That one percent is talented, <laughs> but it's still a player comparison. So, so hit me with a couple of these because I I sort of need it to get through the pod. Yeah, so just you know, <laughs> stay in your chair. Don't get. <laughs> yeah, I won't get too excited. If you're if you're sitting down while you're listening to this, you might want to stand up. Yeah. So we've got similarity of fifty two percent to Richardson in 05. Uh, Joe Smith, 1999, and Rudy Gay, 2010, all who had a trajectory of like, we're supposed to be good and eventually sort of popped and broke out of that, that shell. Did they? Aren't they kind of all high volume shooters that sort of stayed high volume shooters? Like, I mean, each of the, like, the graphs that they have here, it's sort of what they obviously expect Wiggins to do in that be below average and then. Oh, break out. And then okay. Break out gotcha. And be. A, an average starter like gotcha. that's the literal label that they have on the website is average starter got it okay which he is not now well wow i so need... even the the tool that they created for you you somehow managed to, <laughs> to not under, <laughs> yeah to not understand so how many players are there in the nba because we could just crank through some player comparisons right times 30 <laughs> or something okay well uh buckle in everybody this, <laughs> this is what we'll be doing tonight so no i love player comparisons i think those are those are pretty on the nose from what I remember from Josh Richardson in 05. So good stuff for Wiggins to be compared to. Not super, super nerve wracking. The, the, the silver lining of all this is that Wiggins has hope, right? Mm-hmm. Hope to sort of recoup some of his value. Yeah, for sure. 
Before we get into the upcoming road trip, Noah, do you want to take the people at Vorp Speed real quick? Yes. <laughs> I think I've sort of covered this throughout the pod, but I I think it's important just to keep it like a ten thousand foot view. Yeah, and I wanted oh, and I wanted to say Vorp Speed, so all right. Um, I was just going to say that people tend to get salty after these one losses. And, you know, once the, let's say you go on a four game winning streak and you lose a game, I feel like the media, but mostly fans, just individual fans, have a tendency to say, we've lost 100% of our last one games instead of 180% of our last five, right? So it's, I think it's good. It gets frustrating when you, I guess, follow the Wolves and we have to sort of create summaries of weeks as the media members that we are and <laughs> and sort of summarize the week. So you're always looking in the past and kind of putting these things together and building narratives. And I think that's important to do because you start to learn that it's not all about one night, especially when there's 82 games. Mm-hmm. You know, in the NFL, you can make a case that there's there truly are make-or-break games or especially college football. But especially at this point in the season before the All-Star break, I'm just – the main narrative right now in my head is that we've done really well mm-hmm. post Jimmy, and that's kind of the what I'm sticking like what I'm sticking to. And I think the prediction that we're going to be the you know top ten team going forward is pretty clear. Obviously, we have to play catch up with our record, right? But getting that eight seed, I think, is still the solid goal, and I think we'll barely just be able to do it, right? I'm not going to be surprised at the 9 or 10 because of the way the Western Conference is in so many ways. Mm. And I'm not going to be surprised with, what, a six seed? Yeah. That that can be, like, one win. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with the way the West is going to shake out, the Warriors might not get the top seed. And even though the top teams in the West are going to be good, I think there's a lot of parity. So I would take a sneak into a playoffs and, like, try to make some noise. You know, it seems like a year where everybody one through eight could kind of compete. Who's yeah. ever basically not matched up against the Warriors if they're healthy? I could see us like sneaking into the six seed by having forty-four wins, and the next two teams below us have like forty-three. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then we go get to play someone who's also experiencing parity because the top two teams in the West have bullied. Yeah. And you're playing a not the best team in the world, three seed, and then we get to actually finally see a what a six game series yeah i would take denver or the clippers right now yeah Yeah, with the way that the west is shaking out so no another another great edition of warp speed i think (laughs) i think those are (laughs) yeah i I think that was a huge success i want to take a quick look at the past stretch of games where we've had a big big homestand which i think has been real catalyst for our record in addition to the jimmy trade and acquiring covington and sarich Uh, But we have a road trip coming up, so I think it's going to be a real test for the Timberwolves. So we're 8-2 and in our last 10 home games. That goes back to Monday, November 12th, for those of you keeping track at home. We got some solid Ws, it seems. We got wins against the Rockets, the Spurs, and the Blazers. But What do you mean by it seems? Well, if you just kind of say Rockets, Spurs, Blazers, it's like, wow, that's the top of the West. We beat them. But the Rock, I'm saying like... Are those really, really good wins? I think the Blazers is a solid win, but the Rockets and Spurs... Spurs and Rockets at home, given the record, yeah. especially the the Rockets, because we just don't know how they're going to end up. Yeah, it's, exactly. Yes. Teams but with a pedigree, but not decent playing or above well. teams, let's say. Yeah, we lost to the Grizzlies, the Nuggets, and the Celtics, which I think are all fine expected losses. So Grizz are scary. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) the team and the animal. So I would say, like, we had that one solid win against the Blazers, just providing some context 
for our road trip. So like, or for our homestand. So like, be excited about the the record that we've had, but let's not try to overinflate it too much. Now looking ahead, nine of our next twelve are on the road. Oh no! And I was just kind of thinking through the games, and I've got us going three and six on this road trip. You're gonna have to ex- explain it to Noah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Nine of our next 12 are on the road, like I said. We've got the Warriors tomorrow night. They're supposed to be getting healthy again, so I'm going to have that one as a loss. Fair. Then we go to the Kings. I've got that as a loss on the road. Just the Wolves haven't proven anything on the road. Coin flip, but yeah. I'm going to say we can beat the Suns on the road. Bold. Yep. Then we've got two home games. I'm, I'm scrapping that out of this sample. It was too complex for me. So <laughs> <laughs> then um, I've got us picking up another W against the Spurs on the road. And then losing to the Thunder, beating the Bulls. We've got another home game. And then three losses I have to the Heat, the Pelicans, and the Celtics. You don't think we pick up one between Heat, Pelicans, Celtics? So I think for sure the Celtics is a loss. I would say we could beat the Heat, but I just don't trust us on the road so right now. So you can now. beat one of those teams, each of those teams, a third of the time. That's a win. I'm gonna say no, oh, no. Okay. That puts us in. so you've got us kind of like four and four and five. I think you flip that Kings L for a W. Just you get four and five, and then oof, that's bold. I'll, I'll leave the Kings at an L and just say we'll win one of the last three. Okay, okay, yeah, very committal of you. No, I think I think I, I was struggling as Not I was too. going through this, but like we haven't beaten anybody on the road except for like an overfed Nets. What's team. our road record right now? I think we've just got two road wins. So I, I operate in percentages. Okay, yeah, well, definitely not a lot of solid road wins. That's that's as much as I can tell you. Oh, yes, as I see here, we are 2 and 9 away. Yeah, so, so we haven't proven anything on the road. Okay. I will actually agree with your assessment. 3 and 6. So we we we've got a couple sprinkled in home games there which hopefully we you know use as momentum or use as rest for the Wolves being at home. But yeah, I've got us at three and six and I just convinced Noah too. So watch out for this upcoming road trip. And then we kind of covered the game for the upcoming week. The Warriors game got a 29% chance to win. The Kings game 64% and the Suns 69%. So that sums to 1.6 wins on the week. Call it one. Yeah. Because adjust like the road. I mean, 530 does that, but like we're, we're a bad road team. So. Yeah. 538 isn't watching the Wolves like we are. They don't know it like we do. Yeah, exactly. With that, how? How? <laughs>